Good morning and welcome to Tobin Talks. I'm your host Tina Hove and today we've got Savannah Zox and Jackie Wild. Um, I'll let uh, Jackie introduce herself first. Great. Thanks so much, Tino. It's such a pleasure to be here. As mentioned, my name is Jackie Wild, and I serve as the president of the Manitoba Filipino Business Council. We have a really fantastic vision to be the prime community resource hub for Filipino businesses and professionals in Manitoba. And our mission is to actually build a sustainable future for the next generation of leaders by creating an inclusive community through collaboration. So really excited to talk more about that. And thank you again for having me. For sure. And then Savannah, why don't you give us a quick intro? Yeah. Hi. Thanks for having me, Tino. Um, I'm excited to be here with you both. My name is Savannah Zox. I'm the Vice President Student Life with the University of Manitoba Students Union. Um, I've served as VPSL this past year, and then I'm going into another term um, starting in the new fiscal year in May. So I'm very excited to continue my work with UMSU. Um, I won't go too, too uh, much in depth about what UMSU does, because I'm sure everybody already knows a lot about UMSU. But um, yeah, that's me, and I'm very happy to be here. Fantastic. So we're here to talk about women in leadership um, and why it's important, kind of, you know, your experiences with that. So, Jackie, why don't you tell us about your experience being a woman in leadership, why it's important and, you know, that all that good stuff? Yeah, I'm happy to, to share a little bit of my life experience. And one thing that has resonated with me over the last few years is that women of color are hugely underrepresented in leadership roles. We actually only hold less than 5% of board positions with the Fortune 500 companies. And, um, and you still see that here, even when we're looking at nonprofit boards and leadership positions, even within schools um, and, and higher level senior positions in corporate environments. It's, it's really challenging for, for women and women of color to see themselves represented in those positions. So I've, um, I've been lucky enough to have an incredible number of volunteer opportunities, like with the Manitoba Filipino Business Council, to serve in a leadership role and to actually have a voice. For, for women that look like me. And when I was growing up as a young person, we, we um, you know, I didn't have the luxury of seeing other Filipino leaders in our community, particularly because we, um, we are a community that is more recently um, a group that immigrated to Canada in the last 50 years. And uh, a lot of us are, in, you know, frontline working positions. And, you know, I, I think that by having more women step up into these roles, we're going to have really, um, really an opportunity to inspire the next generation to be like, I see myself there in that position. So uh, that's that's the responsibility I feel to play. And I'm sure many other women today are taking on that responsibility as well. Now, let's talk about why it's important, because, you know, you've spoken, you kind of spoke about, you know, you know, we don't have a lot of women in, you know, CEO positions, Fortune 500. Um, the question then is that I always have is, so why is why is that why is that important? Because a lot of people hear this and they're like, well, anyone, if you're skilled enough, can be at the top. Does it matter who's at the top as long as they can do the job? You know, those are questions that come up a lot. So why is that important? That's a really, really great question, Tino. And I think the most important reason why we need to focus on this is because these systems of oppression and inequity are deeply embedded mm -hmm. into our society. And even though Canada seemed a such a progressive country in a lot of ways, we still have so much work to do. And because we are working in inequity versus equality, it's it's really looking at how do we level that playing field that's never been even to start with. Mm. We want to make sure that women and people of color, indigenous groups, black groups have that chance right off the hop to get to that level where they actually have 
an equal chance of having those positions. So once we get there, maybe the conversation will be different. But today, those inequalities are causing those challenges for folks that want to be in those positions, but don't even have a, not even just a head start, but even, you know, just an opportunity to move forward past that starting line. Mm. That, that makes a lot of sense. Do you do you have any information? So yourself moving, like navigating through these inequalities, right? Uh, tell us about like, what are some of these obstacles that people are facing that we might not be able to see? Because you, you've kind of maneuvered yourself around these. So what are kind of some of these obstacles and ways you've managed to get around them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. So, you know, I think that a lot of these obstacles we we face even, you know, in our infancy in a lot of ways. There are gender norms that are imposed upon us at a very young age, and they are perpetuated throughout the entire lives that we live. And, you know, we're thankfully in a generation now where women are no longer confined to being the homemaker or stay-at-home moms. But when you look at the data, there's still a significant number more more women that are staying at home, particularly during the pandemic. The numbers have actually escalated significantly because in a lot of circumstances where women and men have to work from home with families, generally the woman takes that caretaker position. And so we've actually seen a flooding of women leaving the workforce over the last year because of that. So, so it, it is really important for us to continue building upon that equity and giving more chances for women to have those leadership positions and demonstrate the value that they bring to those tables. Mm, for sure. Savannah, I'll pull you in here. So, you know, being someone who is in that generation of, you know, women who are starting to take leadership positions um, as a university student, what's your take on, you know, what Jackie's just said of seeing other people there and the value that, you know, women bring to the team, especially being on the AMSA executive and representing a lot of women, um, you know, around campus? What's your experience there? Yeah, um, well, that's a great question. You know, I've had uh, more experience outside of UMSU, even just representing um, different uh, community groups and different students on campus. Um, I was a resident student for um, three years, actually, and represented resident students for two of those three years. Um, and then I represented science students for um, a couple years as well. And then, um, you know, I was actually involved in a um, feminist group called Justice for Women Manitoba, which is very active on the U of M campus. Um, I think that being a woman in a leadership position offers a different perspective and a different voice um, than, you know, men in leadership positions can offer just because women face different struggles and different issues than men. Um, that's nothing new, of course. Um, you know, UMSU in the past has been pretty fortunate to have, uh, you know, at least in the recent past, have had many women and a couple win women of color um, within the executive um, and even within the presidency roles, which is, I think, really, really important. Um, you know, our past election, not this one, but the, the year before, um, every presidential candidate, and Tino, you are actually fortunate, uh, yeah. fortunate enough to be a part of that election. Um, we had every single presidential candidate was a woman, and not only that, but a woman of color. And that was such... Um, I think a stepping stone in in the right direction um, with regards to seeing an increase in you know these these people running for leadership positions. Um, 
And yeah, like I said, while I think it's important to have um, diversity, um, ethnic, cultural, racial diversity within an executive team, it's also really important to have gender diversity um, represented there as well. And, you know, hopefully in the future we can move towards um, having other individuals that identify as maybe not male or female within the executive too. Um, and I think that there's always there's always movement on that. And I think that we're moving in the right direction. Um, but it's it's been great to see, especially um, having more women in uh in the presidential leadership positions within UMSU. It's, it's really great to see. For sure. Now, Jackie, pulling you back in, Savannah said something that's interesting that's bringing in different perspectives. Um, so since you started coming into this role, um, what, what have you seen and what are you trying to accomplish um, from your perspective as a woman of color in this leadership position? Yeah. Yeah, those are really interesting thoughts. And Savannah, thanks for sharing your experience. It's so wonderful to see other women taking charge and you know taking on those positions that we so rightfully deserve. And when it comes to being not only a, a woman, a woman of color, generally on the boards, as I said, I'm, I'm usually the youngest person on these boards as well. Um, it, it really does put you at a disadvantage in a lot of ways. But I, I think a lot of that is internalized or rather internal. You know, mm. it, it's very easy to convince yourself that you're not worthy of being a voice at that table and you're not worthy of actually having the influence on decision making or governance at a board table. So I, I think that a lot of it comes from the, you know, the, the voice within mm -hmm. and being able to encourage yourself to actually feel like, like you deserve and own those roles and opportunities that you've been given. And, you know, I I feel really fortunate. I sit on a number of other boards outside of the Manitoba Filipino Business Council and the community, and, um, and and boards these days are actually actively recruiting to ensure that there is that gender balance within their boards to make sure that they have the proper percentage of people mm -hmm. of color that are actually indicative of the individuals in that community, making sure that you have you know people of various backgrounds mm -hmm. and people of indigenous. Um, background yeah. as well because we you know we are such a diverse community and you know I, I love the point that you brought up Savannah where you know we want to be gender inclusive as well beyond just female and male I think that you know those conversations are being had and yeah. organizations corporations alike are are realizing that they need to make these changes in order to continue maintaining the trust of the community because mm. it, it's so much more apparent now more than ever that there are a lot of organizations that are incredibly behind in their policy making. So um, this is the time to, to be able to stand up, to have your voice heard and to make those changes. You say something that's interesting. You say to maintain the trust of their community. Now, what, how does inclusivity play into trust from your community? Yeah, I think that that's, that's a really important thing to talk about. So. When it comes to, to trust and, and groups and, you know, especially in corporate environments, there is a lot of lip service that happens inevitably. And, and we look at, you know, larger organizations that are a lot more sophisticated and have opportunities to invest in bringing on more diverse workforce, more diverse leaders, but weren't necessarily actually taking charge and taking ownership of those of, you know, that responsibility really that they have to the community. Mm -hmm. So by not doing so I think that, you know, as a person of color in the community, as a woman of color in the community, I feel like if I am not seeing myself represented by that group, if they're saying they're giving back to the community, they care about the community, but they're not actually acting upon it, mm -hmm. then why would I want to give my business 
to that to that particular organization where you can see other groups, especially local organizations that are actually, you know, talking the talk and walking the walk. Mm-hmm. So basically a big part because social media, everything is on display, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Savannah, to pull you in here, so VPSL, you do a lot of the student groups. So you kind of have a, an inside look at what the leadership organizational structures of student groups on campus are looking like. Do they have that trust you feel from the community about having more women in leadership you know, positions? And how does that impact the students, I guess the student life in, in general, Savannah, if my, if my question is clear for you? Yeah, yeah, I think I understand that. Um, yeah, I think that um, we're actually seeing an increased amount of um, female students running for leadership positions within um, more so student associations and student clubs. And I only say that because student clubs don't always have um, elections. A lot of them just appoint their members. Um, so it's whoever applies. However, um, I think that we are seeing a, a, just a huge increase in students, um, female students running for these uh these positions. So, for example, um, the Science Student Association just elected an all-female slate, which is crazy to think um, that, you know, and not to say that um, we want to move towards not having men at all. Um, I think that it's extremely important to have men in leadership positions as well, because, again, you're you're working towards that diversity um, and you want all of these collective voices together. Um, but the cool thing about that is that, um, you know, d- these faculties, um, you know, science and engineering and even Asper um, used to be very male dominant, dominated um, groups where, you know, there's you see less female students in those faculties and taking those programs. So to see a, in a program like science um, and, you know, there's all of these programs that promote women in science and 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 um, women in engineering and stuff. And so to see an all-female slate elected in um, a faculty that was previously male-dominated is kind of a really cool thing to see. And that's not to say that they won't have men on their council. Um, There's actually more appointed positions and elected positions on SSA. um, And I'm sure they plan to to uh, point, um, you know, a, a diversity of, of people to be on uh, within their community. But um, it is great to see. And I think that... Um, you know, even within those faculties, so like science, and I'm using science as an example, because it's what I know best, because I Mm -hmm. come from that faculty. um, And I did have a position on SSA previously. um, But I think that, um, you know, in those faculties, the women um, feel underrepresented, because, you know, it is a primarily male dominated faculty and a male dominated program. So when you have women that feel underrepresented in that faculty, and then you have a council that represents that faculty, um, you know, largely made of women. Um, I think it definitely gives the female students in that faculty um, a a more sense of belonging or a stronger sense of, um, you know, being able to approach these councils or wanting to get involved at their faculty. And I think that that's really important. For sure. Now, Jackie uh, needed to to dip out a little bit quicker. So, Savannah, we were talking about uh, representation as well, right? And being able, you know, to have messaging that speaks to a lot of different um, groups, right? And I believe that you're working on something um, around that. Yeah. Um, So, like I mentioned before, um, I think that female leadership offers a completely different um, perspective and a different voice on certain issues that um, maybe um, male students can't uh, necessarily relate to as easily as female students. Um, Mm -hmm. One of those uh, 
issues I feel um, is sexual violence. Um, anyone who knows me knows I'm super passionate about that field and I'll try not to talk your ear off about it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, like Tino mentioned, there is a project that I'm currently working on um, uh, towards uplifting um, and elevating survivor voices within the U of M community. Um, mm -hmm. And that goes for male and female and non-binary, um, anyone who identifies as any gender, um, because I do understand and, you know, the survivor community does understand that it's not just made of of women. It is predominantly women, but it's it's not um, to say that the issue doesn't exist within the male student community as well. Um, and I think that it's also, um, you know, you have the issue of intersectionality where um, when you have people from marginalized communities um, and they belong to one or more marginalized communities, they're at an increased risk. So that's to say that people from the, L the 2S LGBTQ plus community are um, more at risk than, you know, just your average student. Um, and I think that that's important to recognize too, and that um, this type of uh, issue exists very strongly within, um, you know, non-binary communities as well and and other gender identifying communities. So um, I think that that's important to note. But yeah, so right now, um, this is uh, Sexual Assault Awareness Month in Manitoba is the month of April. Um, so I thought it would be really cool to kickstart a project completely uh, centered around survivors and the survivor perspective. I think that the U of M is making some headway in, um, you know, what's being done to to help um, further um, support the survivors within the, the campus community. But I think that there's always more that can be done. And I think that it definitely has um, a different impact um, when it comes from people who have specifically experienced uh, those hardships. So, mm -hmm. you know, the University of Manitoba administration doing something might mean a little bit less or be less informed than, say, the survivor community making, you know, an impact in that in that area. So I'm working actually on a book project that will be compiled uh, written works, uh, mostly poetry, memoirs from survivors um, within the U of M community that can be past, present, um, alumni, male, female, uh, non-binary, any student who identifies as a survivor um, or past student and is willing to share their voice or their perspective is 100% welcome to be a part of this project. And if they're not able to contribute um, with a written piece, then I would encourage them to submit a piece of artwork that we could possibly use for the cover art of the book. But yeah, so I'm, I'm actually working with a publishing company right now and, and finalizing all of the budgetary details. But basically, this project will be a book that's published by UMSU. The pieces that are are included in this, the written pieces can be included anonymously by survivors or they can have their name. You know, I'm all, of course going to encourage having your name attached to your written work because I think that survivor um, messages can be extremely powerful um, and that it's very empowering to have your name attached to a to a, um, a powerful piece of written work like that. But um, I also completely understand the perspective of wanting to stay anonymous within the community. So that is definitely a path the students can choose if they want to. But yeah, we're planning to publish this book and uh, in the, the the back half of the book will be all resources from all different communities, from all different organizations um, on and off the U of M campus within Manitoba. And uh, I'm also looking to partner with a couple different um, organizations. I've actually um, recently secured a partnership with uh, Students for Consent Culture, which is a national um, survivor-centered organization that works towards um, 
increasing consent culture, specifically within post-secondary institutional campuses. I've also partnered with Justice for Women. Um, I have ties to them just at having worked with them previously, and uh, a lot of their members are good friends of mine, so I'm going to be working with them. And I'm hoping to also pull on the Sexual Violence Resource Center at the University of Manitoba, as well as UMCRAFT, which is a student club on campus, and um, Respect, Educate, and Empower Survivors, which is, um, the acronym is RESE, and they're an online anonymous reporting tool that we are currently working to implement at the University of Manitoba. So if I could involve those groups, that would be amazing. And then we'll pull resources from them as well. We'll have the call for submissions go out through all of those communities. Um, and then we will get this book for sale online. Um, and then all 100% of the proceeds will be donated back to um, a survivor-centered charitable organization um, that is nonprofit and will go towards bettering the survivor community and creating more resources and supports for survivors. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is that's absolutely amazing, Savannah. Um, and I think we're on the topic we're talking about, uh, you know, em empower empowerment. I think this is a great opportunity to empower individuals as well, right? Um, I wanted to kind of, uh, as as we, you know, kind of wean to the end of the episode here. Um, I kind of wanted to touch on how you feel being an individual in a leadership position that's under so much scrutiny. Right. And I bring this up because, you know, as I was getting ready for for this podcast, I, you know, read a lot of, you know, social media posts talking about how at times women feel that they have to talk a lot louder than men do in certain rooms and, you know, organizations. And you having been in so many leadership positions and also trying to get this book published, you know, which is a you know daunting task. You know, how, how do you feel about that? How does that impact you? What's your experience been? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely helped having experiences leading up to UMSU, um, being involved with different councils. It's kind of um, almost uh, given me a bit of training um, towards being a woman in a leadership position. But yeah, you're right in saying that UMSU is under a much larger amount of scrutiny than any other organization I've been involved with in the past. And rightly so, to be honest, um, you know, the students should be uh, scrutinizing the union and making sure that the decisions we make are 100% benefiting them because, um, you know, they're paying their fees into this union. And and if the union isn't serving the students, then then we're doing something wrong because that's what we exist to do. So I think that that's really important. And, you know, as a student before I was involved in UMSU, I was very, uh, you know, always scrutinizing and and uh, and analyzing the choices that the the union made. And I think that that's really important for students to be educated and, and knowledgeable what about the decisions their union makes for them. I've definitely had, um, you know, not as great experiences being a woman in a leadership position, um, as you mentioned, feeling the need to talk louder in a room or being ignored in a group where, you know, maybe the meeting is uh, it, mainly men and especially when you know like i i am a student at the end of the day i am i am just a student i am in a leadership position um elected by the student body but you know i have you know the same kind of experience or knowledge as most students at the university of manitoba and i'm just doing my best in this position and i think that when you're put in a room with um, full-time staff members at the university of manitoba sometimes you can feel clobbered and you know that might that might be for a number of reasons i don't think necessarily it's always because 
you know, like a gender issue. I think that it's, you know, lack of experience, you know, age difference. Um, there's a lot of things going on there, but um, I've definitely felt that way um, or, you know, underappreciated or um, as though my voice wasn't as loud as it should be or not recognized as much as it should be um, in certain meetings and certain situ- situations. But I think that that comes with the position. And I think that it's important to not let that keep you from speaking. Um, and I've done my best to to kind of live that way and, and not let um, you know, no matter who talks over me or or, you know, whether or not they're listening, I'm going to keep speaking. I'm going to keep, um, you know, using my voice to uplift student voices. And I'm going to keep expressing my opinion to in the committees and, and the organizations that matter. And I think that that's that's really important. And I think that that's that's where. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's thickened my skin for sure. I'll, I'll use that term. And, you know, have it being under that scrutinization, which, again, I, I think is very um, valid to be scrutinizing the union. But it's definitely it's definitely given me the opportunity to to take constructive criticism and and to be able to to use use the words that other people are using in meetings to to kind of better myself. Mm, that makes sense. So I guess um, circling back to your book, um, you know, being a for students who want to be a part of this can be a very vulnerable experience and can be something that's very frightening. Right. Talk to me about how what what you'd say to someone who feels the need to want to share their experiences or feels the need to speak up in a big room, you know, um, but it has a hard time getting over that fear. What would you say say to that? Um, yeah, like so. With regards to the book that I'm that I'm working on, or just in a general kind of. Oh uh, well, in in a general, you can take the question where you where you need where it needs to go. Yeah, I mean, I would say that it, it definitely takes practice to to become confident enough in the words that you're saying. But once once you are very sure of the of the the opinions that you have, and you know that um you know you're in a position where again, like being elected by the student body is definitely a confidence boost in in that direction where you know that the ideas you have and the things that you, the opinions that you hold, they're obviously important. And, and students obviously agree with the things that you've said if they chose to elect you in an election like that. So so having feeling like the students are behind you in in that kind of aspect and and knowing that the decisions and and the things that I say in meetings and and the way that I vote will impact more than just myself and the rest of the executive committee it will impact all of the students at the University of Manitoba and I think that that's important to keep in mind because a lot of the time you know if it was just impacting me I might not be as willing or as um, motivated to speak up or to continue pressing on for certain issues. But when you think about it in the in the general aspect of bettering the entire student body, there are so many students that are relying on executives or or just in any role, the, the, the people in leadership ex, ex, uh, positions to do the right thing for students that they're representing. And the students have chosen to represent or cho- chosen that person to represent them. And I think that that's really, really important to remember as a student leader that that students students chose you to be in that position and you need to do right by the students and you need to keep that motivation up and, and you know, be sure of yourself because the, the opinions and the decisions that you have and the decisions that you make will ultimately impact so many more people than just you. For sure. Um, I guess I guess we're just about to sign off here, Sav. Um, did you have any parting words you wanted to share? 
No, not really. I, but thank you so much for having me on. Um, I think that this is such an incredible and important topic to to talk about and to raise awareness about. And uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to come on here and to share my thoughts and for the little book promo that you've given me the opportunity to to kind of plug on here. But yeah, I'm very excited for for another year of this. Um, you know, keep doing the best we can. For sure. Um, actually, before I sign off, I had one one more quick question. Um, where do you think um, diversity within an executive team comes into play, right? So a lot of people are like, hey, we should have more diversity in leadership or more more female CEOs or whatever. But not a lot of people have the opportunity to be in the rooms to see that diversity actually come into play and actually work. So I know Amsu has, you know, his you know, your previous year, you had two female VPs on the executive and the president was... Um, female as well. Tell me about how diversity kind of played into that. Uh, you know, even if just a quick example could work or, or, you know, that just so that people have a tangible idea of why diversity is so important. Yeah, I think that different issues um, are focused on when when you have a diverse executive. And I think that every person that's elected within the executive has um, a specific passion point. And I think that that's so important. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's of course, it's sexual violence. You know, um, Kristen this past year was very, very um, passionate about legal aid um, and helping students that way. Jalene is very passionate about mental health. Um, and not to say that, you know, those aren't issues that are, are specific necessarily to women, um, but the aspects of them are, um, mm -hmm. you know, and and women with struggling with their mental health or women struggling struggling with um, the aftermath of experiencing sexual violence. I think that those are perspectives that really, really help um, to uh, just implement different changes within UMSU and within the committees that we're involved in. And I think that um, when you have a diverse uh, executive, you know, as Jackie was saying earlier, um, you earn the respect of that community because you're representing as many, um, you know, members of that community as you possibly can. And we've been really fortunate to have a diverse group of people within the executive this year. And and I believe that we have a, a diverse group going into next year as well. So that's that's really great. For sure. Thanks so much, Savannah. And, and that's everything for this week's episode of Tobin Talks. Have a great summer.